Blog Talk Radio. to the balance post Thanksgiving. Hope everyone uh, survived the holiday, had a great holiday, and got yourself a turkey or a ham coma. Uh, Rick will be talking with here in just a second. Smoke the ham. <clears throat> I did the traditional uh, turkey, so we'll talk about some of that. And, and, uh, and we've got uh, a lot on tap to talk about. Scott's not going to be able to join us today as he's uh, driving back from Kansas or is in Kansas. Uh, but it'll be myself and Rick Riggin uh, covering college football uh, and college football action. And then coming up in the second hour, Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast will be joining us. Uh, be talking some college basketball and a little bit more college football and NFL as well. And uh, we hopefully will have Mo from the BS Sports Show on later on. Ed Kratz not able to join us today. He's got some obligations with the Eagles uh, that came up. Uh, so he's, he's got to take care of that. But I tell you one thing that we do have. We do have a show on tap, that's for sure. So you don't want to, you don't want to miss it. 917-889-8516 is our digits. Stick around. It's about to get good. Yes, I am, Kevin. I've worked all week on my song, and I hope you'll be entertained and a little moved. <laughs> Love to eat turkey. <laughs> Love to eat turkey. <laughs> Love to eat turkey, because it's good. Love to eat the turkey like a good boy should. <laughs> The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Okay, okay. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. 
Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're one my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. This song is called Alice's Restaurant. It's about Alice and the restaurant. But Alice's Restaurant is not the name of the restaurant. That's just the name of the song. And that's why I call the song Alice's Restaurant. You can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. You can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. Walk right in, it's around the back, just a half a mile from the railroad track. And you can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. All right, and welcome back to the ballot. <clears throat> my name's Tom Marquisel, Presidente. Right along with me now is Rick Riggin. Uh, one of our college football prognosticators, procrastinators, prognosticators. <laughs> happy, happy Saturday to you, sir. Uh, procrastinator is actually spot on, Tom. My name is Rick Reagan, also. <laughs> That's what I said. Wasn't it? Hey, for Scott. Hey, hey, for Scott. If I had some more time, I was gonna try to build this whole backstory about how he was kidnapped by guys in a, like an eighteen style van. And the police have no leads upon it, you know, about his disappearance. But I, I didn't have enough time. <laughs> well, I did just get a text, so I think he's going to uh, call in uh, shortly. So, oh, right on. All right, cool. <laughs> so, uh, and we kind of themed the song we probably should have uh, last week uh, talked about procrastination uh, around Thanksgiving. But Thanksgiving was Thursday. Hope everyone had a good uh, Thanksgiving. Now, you smoked a ham. Uh, uh, walk us through your delicious smoking there, sir. How'd you get them in those little white uh, papers? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> well, you got to chop them up real fine, you know. You got to chop it up real fine. <laughs> so do you use an apple wood, a cherry wood? Do you use a Traeger? Do you use an electric smoker? Do you use, or do you do it the real way? And that's with uh, 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 the logs and the wood chips and, and all of that. Uh, well, I, I I didn't put a whole lot of smoke on it because, in, you know, when you buy a ham, it's already been cooked and smoked like right. 99% of the time. So you don't want to overdo it. But a couple hours with a couple of uh, hickory uh, chunks, chunks of hickory wood. And I also, I did it 
that for two hours, got the middle up to about 140 degrees because you're really just warming the ham back up. But added some more, uh, some more hickory smoke to it. Then I made a maple glaze with the light and brown sugar and covered that. You know, covered the ham in that for an extra half hour on the smoker. Came out great. My first time trying it. So uh, I was uh, really happy with it. Well, I'm glad you're not one of those guys that used an electric smoker. <laughs> no, no, no. I got, I got one of those uh, vertical cabinet-style smokers. I, I love that thing. All right, all right. Well, I made my world-famous uh, Creole butter Cajun turkey. Really good, actually. Uh, oh, yeah, that stuff's good. Yeah. You injected so, it? Yeah. With, yeah, that's with good. That's butter, good. Injected it with the Creole yep. butter. Put it in the roaster yeah. for about four hours. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we sound like a food network right now, by the way. <laughs> Welcome to the food network. This is the balance. <laughs> well, you know, today's show, today's show is you can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. And we played that coming in, and we're going to get into that here in just a second. But are you familiar with that song, where it's from? What's that? What the song? song we- the song we just played coming in. You, oh, Alice no. I know. I know the Adam Sandler song that you played, but I don't know yeah. the other one. Well, Bob and Tom had this on their show for the longest time. And uh, the guy who sung it, and then uh, they, he wrote this song for the Bob and Tom show. So it's been around gotcha. for a long time. But the reason why, you know, we wanted to, to do it that way is because, hey, it's Thanksgiving. You get anything you want. But Notre Dame had a nice Thanksgiving treat this uh, this year. We are waiting on Scott to call in, too, uh, so maybe he's escaped uh, from that, uh, that van. Uh, but uh, Notre Dame, <laughs> North Carolina, what a good defensive game. We'll kind of get into the keys for that. But you're our Notre Dame uh, guru. Walk us through the game. I know you were a little bit nervous during the game, but it all panned out all right for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. It's at number two. Yeah, so when Notre Dame joined the ACC this year, there was really two games on the schedule that were circled. Obviously, the first one would be Clemson playing them during the regular season. And uh, this game against North Carolina, because of what Mac Brown has built that program into, they are like a – they're an offensive juggernaut. Uh, you know, they're putting up a lot of yards and a lot of points on everybody they play. Last year, uh, they they should have beat Clemson last year. They lost to Clemson by one point. It was like a – Late comeback, come from behind, touchdown for Clemson. Uh, got Clemson that win last year. So, if you're looking at that game last year and you're seeing, like, it's the same quarterback, most of the same players in North Carolina and Notre Dame going into this game, you're pretty much worried this could be a, a, this that classic trap game. Also, number two ranked team in the country goes to North Carolina and, and loses the game like that. And the first half yesterday was proven that way. Uh they were scoring at will on us, basically. First quarter, I, I would say. We lose our best defensive player on a targeting call. Uh, so that's not great for us. We're down two linemen uh, from our, you know, uh, two starting linemen. So that's not going great for us. And, uh, you know, they come out and they, first two possessions, they score touchdowns. And we score them right back. You know, then they get another field goal in the uh, second quarter. But then that was it. Our defense stepped up. Uh, shut them down. They averaged 563 yards of offense a game this season, and Notre Dame held them to 298. That was the uh, deciding factor in this game. 
Well, I'll tell you what, it was a, it's certainly a good defensive game, that's for sure. And, you, you know, it had all the markings at the beginning of the game to, to be a kind of a big shootout. But you're right, your defense can't come through. Let's kind of walk through some of the, the points from yesterday's game. But Ian Book, uh, after, you know, watching him play and doing some of the things that he does, sometimes the Heisman, Heisman uh, voters uh, vote like to have roles if they have to face a stiff arm or, or something like that. Uh, Ian Buck should be in in the Heisman Trophy race conversation, shouldn't you say? You know, you know what, Tom. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to do it. Uh, we're talking about who's the Heisman front runner because now uh, Justin Fields has got another game canceled this weekend, so we don't have a whole lot of data points on him, right? Trevor Lawrence now has missed two or three games with Clemson because uh, they had to cancel last week against uh, Florida State. So uh, there's there's been two or three games now with, with him not being able to play. I mean, he's going to play today, I think. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we talk about uh, Mac Jones at Alabama, and the case you can make there is he might not, even, might not even be the best player on his own team. So how could he be the Heisman front runner when you got Najee Harris on the team, right? If you're not the best player on your own team, how, how could you be leading the Heisman? I think Kyle Trask is the Heisman front runner at Florida, but you're right. Why not start including uh, including Ian Book, number two ranked team in the country? Uh, he he is averaging around 300 yards a game passing, couple touchdowns. He's an escape artist. Uh, he danced all around Clemson uh, a few weeks ago. I mean, he's been doing this week in and week out. Uh, but for some reason, the uh, you know the the media, I guess that's who decides the Heisman anymore. I know there's about 900 voters. It's usually just media people. They're not big on Ian Book. I, I don't know why he's getting the job done. Uh, I think he could be if, – if we're going to put five players up for the Heisman, how come he can't be one of them? Well, I'll tell you what, if Heisman moments were needed, he certainly provided a couple, and not only with his backhand pass on that third down, but uh, – That was uh, crazy, yeah. <laughs> that looked like he was just playing a little bit of backyard, uh, backyard football there. Right, like that. He's been an escape artist. He's hard to hard to, to capture and bring down. You know, he starts dance around the pocket. Once he gets out, outside the pocket, uh, he's actually he's deceptively big word there, Tom. Deceptively fast. Uh, he just doesn't look like he, he's not he's not a big guy. He's only about six foot tall, uh, but you see him get out of the pocket and he outruns a, a lot of people. So. He has good, uh, great rushing yards every game. He's an escape artist. He's stolen for about 300 a game. Uh, why not put him in the top five? Yeah, I agree with you. He should certainly be in the conversation, especially when you've got a 9-0 Irish team. But, you know, we talked about it being a defensive game. I mean, let, let's face it, UNC's defense answered the call, too. The Tar Heels defense was allowed, allowed, has allowed big yardage totals and plenty of points this season. But it did a good job of holding its own against the Irish as well, uh, certainly led by Jay Bateman. What do you talk about uh, uh, North Carolina's uh, defense? Uh, certainly did a good job uh, of playing field position and getting the ball back uh, for house for more opportunity to score. You got to you got to give them that. Yeah, they they played out of their minds defensively. Uh, they they did a great job. You know, they're they're giving up a ton of yards and points to everybody this year, but it doesn't matter because they also score, you know, a million points a game. I, I, under, I couldn't figure it out because Notre Dame was marching up and down the field on Clemson, and then we had a hard time moving the ball against North Carolina yesterday. So 
I was stressed out about that. I mean, we should have scored more than 31 in that game. I know we had a missed field goal, but uh, we should have had a couple more touchdowns on the board. But they can play great defensively, so you got to tip your cap to that. Well, certainly beating North Carolina moves Notre Dame not only to 9-0, and with, with two winnable games left on the schedule with Syracuse and Wake Forest on the road in the ACC championship at A&O. It also gives you an opportunity to win the ACC championship. And then we have the controversial uh, subject come up again, as we did with other schools, but more predominantly with Notre Dame, and that's they, they decide – that they wanted to be in a division only because they knew that was their only clear path to a national championship. And I think a lot of people would say, you know, why does Notre Dame have the power and the ability to be the, the, the gods of college football? Because one could argue that if you weren't in the ACC, you wouldn't even be talking about being in the national championship game. <clears throat> well, when teams started like canceling their games, you know, especially the Pac-12 earlier this year with USC and Stanford. Notre Dame plays them every year. Uh, Notre Dame had to find uh, six more games. Well, they already had six games scheduled against the ACC anyway. And uh, another thing, too, half the ACC was on the fence about playing. And Notre Dame stepped in because that was more of their opponents from the ACC thinking about not playing. And what I will say, the reason why they joined the ACC and they got those teams on board is because Notre Dame is faith-based and not fear-based. And that alone, uh, the eyeballs coming in the ACC conference now with the uh, Notre Dame being in the conference this season, uh, and they're going to share that revenue with the conference. That's part of the deal. That kind of swung the, the, the conference in favor of playing. I mean, that's not my opinion. That's been written about. But, uh, Plus, you're right. They are the gods of college football. <laughs> well, you know, we want to go. <clears throat> Man, I tell you what, I am dying with whatever's going on in my throat. So it is what it is. It's going to work. It's, it's going to work its way out one way or the other, I guess. We had a lot of games on, on, on tap yesterday, certainly not just the Notre Dame game. And some were better than others. But another really good game to watch yesterday was Iowa State at Texas. Iowa State pulls that win out barely, 23-20. to 20. What are your thoughts on that game? Yeah, we're not going to see Matt Campbell at Iowa State too much longer. I mean, that's a real close game. He was emotional uh, after the game in his little post-game interview. Uh, it was a comeback win against Texas. Uh, just Texas is not back. They haven't been back. Everybody, every time they win a ball game, everybody asks if Texas is back. No, they're not back. I, I don't know what's happened to Tom Herman from his time to Houston to going to Texas. Everybody loved him. Uh, you'd think that he'd be able to, to recruit and, and coach his ass off at Texas. Uh, that just hasn't you know, materialized. And I, it, it, it's, it's mind-blowing why it hasn't because Texas should be really good. But they're not back. I don't know if any of us are looking for another coach because I still think Tom Herman is a pretty good coach. Uh, but as far as this game goes, that was a huge win for Iowa State. Uh, it's one that uh, could be bittersweet, I think, after this season because Matt Campbell is a top prospect for uh, some of these other coaching jobs are going to open up. We already see South Carolina – uh, already opened up. I don't think that's a good move for Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell is not going to be at Iowa State much longer. 
So we've got the yesterday we had the Oregon Oregon State game and certainly that's a big rivalry, kind of a little bit of a shocker to see Oregon State beat Oregon at forty one and thirty eight. I think more of the conversation to have around this particular game. It's one of those games where that it has a title to it, and I think for many years it was called the Civil War uh, game. Uh, they could no longer do that today. I, I have issues with that because you know, and again, not a political show, but one way or the other. You know, the Civil War is a part of our history, and the part of the part of the history was that the the, the states were split down the middle, uh, and they were they were fighting against each other. And so, what you have is you have two in-state rivalries fighting against each other in a big game. And uh, so they called it the Civil War game, and they could no longer do that. Uh, I, I find that just a just a little bit, uh, far gone, if you will. But more importantly, you know, Oregon State gets a win over number nine Oregon. That's huge, especially for a non-ranked team uh, like Oregon State to beat the Ducks. Well, it was the worst thing to Pac-12 uh, that, that they wanted to see because the uh, the playoff uh, rankings came out last Tuesday, and they didn't do the Pac-12 any favors. Uh, un- unranked uh, or unbeaten, I should say, unbeaten Oregon. 3-0 comes in at 15th, so the best shot that the Pac-12 had for making the uh, playoff was ranked 15th, and now they just lost. So the Pac-12 is way on the outside looking in. Uh, that was just a tough loss all the way around for uh, the Pac-12. And I agree with you. I still call it the Civil War. You know, They also had to change the name uh, of the Texas-Oklahoma game from the Red River Shootout to the Red River Rivalry, which is tough for me to say. I can't go that many R's in a row. And also the world largest uh, the world's largest cocktail party, Georgia and Florida, they had to take the cocktail out of it because they thought it promoted drinking. Now it's just called the world's largest party. So it's got ridiculous with some of these name changes. It's still the Civil War. It's still the Red River Shootout. It's still the world's, world's largest cocktail party. Come on, what are we doing? <laughs> it's It's just – I mean, the world has totally lost their freaking mind. So uh, it's a it's a hundred percent PC, man. It, it, it's aggravating. Yeah, it is. Well, we've got the we've got the uh, Auburn in Alabama in the Iron Bowl. Is that what that, that's called today? Yep, the Iron Bowl. Yep. Yep. You're right. So Alabama, obviously number one, of course. Alabama's always going to be Alabama. Um, and I don't even know if Auburn wins today. I, I just – you wonder if, if Alabama ever does this, but if there's ever opportunities for them to just rest their players and get ready for the playoffs, uh, it would it would certainly be that this would be one of those games. But it's but it's Auburn. So, I mean, there again, what do, what do you do? You, you've got to come out and win, win strong on this particular game. Uh, but so let's break down that game, Auburn and Alabama. Well, the first thing you have talked about is uh, Nick Saban won't be on the sidelines because he's tested positive for the coronavirus. So uh, Steve Sarkeesian's taking over the, uh, head, the head coaching role today. I don't think Alabama's going to miss a beat from what they've been playing all season long. I will say that uh, Auburn has won this game two of the last three years. Uh, I'm not one of these guys that goes back to previous games and says it has some sort of an impact on, you know, today's game. But I would say the guys that have been playing for Alabama through the last three years, they got that chip on their shoulder. They they have a kind of a losing record against Auburn 
right now. So I say that plays in. I don't think Bama skips a beat with Sark on the sidelines. Uh, I think it's – I don't know what the spread is. Uh, I, never look, I never look at spreads because I just don't think Vegas is the, the gods of all-knowing who you know, who's going to win or lose and by, and by how much. But, uh, you know, Notre Dame was only four-and-a-half-point favorites yesterday. They won by two touchdowns. So what does that tell you? But uh, I, I think Bama rolls about by at least three scores here. They're not going. To, they're not going to miss a beat. You see, this uh, this would be where we would lean on Scott a little bit because Scott is certainly the the expert on this. Oh, uh, he's a computer nerd. He sits in front of his laptop and does his show. Unlike me, I just do it all off the top of my head. You know, <laughs> there, there, there's no research here. There's no looking anything. Uh, Melissa was right. I was tweeting with Melissa last week. Has she said that? I think I know everything. She's correct. <laughs> yeah, I saw those tweets bouncing, uh, bouncing back and forth. <laughs> well, you know, here's a game of I'm putting on my Homer hat here. I, I've got it on right now. Actually, uh, my my Indiana Hoosiers went down from number nine to number twelve. Obviously, with that loss of close loss to Ohio State, and what a great, 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 great game that was. And everybody that said that that was going to be a blowout, you know. It just uh, they don't know anything. That one, one of those people would be you, you right? They would... <laughs> yeah, <they're>... yeah. Well, <laughs> Maryland comes into the the Rock Memorial Stadium down in Bloomington, Indiana today. Uh, Indiana, solid number twelve. I don't think we have a lot to worry about with them. So we'll go ahead and we'll make our pick. So let's. What was your picks with Alabama and Auburn? Bama. Big. Bama. Okay. Okay. And that's probably that I'll probably ride along with you on that one. But uh, Maryland and Indiana, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it should be no problems here. Uh, and while I was texting you yesterday, there's a path to the uh, Big Ten title game now for IU. Is uh, this is the second straight, uh, not second straight, but second game anyway week that Ohio State can't play because of COVID issues. The Big Ten said you have to play six games to get into the uh, Big Ten title game. So now they're at their six-game threshold. If they have any more the next two games where a team cannot play, they cannot go to the Big Ten championship game, and that's going to elevate IU uh, to take their spot. So they have a path here. I'm taking IU big today. Yeah, absolutely. And we talked about that offline this week. I talked about it with Adam as well. But, you know, the the obviously the clear present danger for Ohio State, again, if they if – they, can't get in the, the required games to be in the Big Ten championship. Uh, it looks like Northwestern has that clearer path. They have Michigan State today. We'll get into that game here in a minute. And, I, of course, I'm taking Indiana as well. Let's talk about Kentucky and Florida. Uh, Kentucky versus number six, Florida. Uh, and uh, Florida's at home. Well, they might beat Kentucky 63-3 to or something like that last week. Uh, this game is going to be more kind of like that. I'm not, I'm not going to say Florida's going to put up 60 points on them, but like a 48-10 to game maybe. I, I would think so. Uh, Florida's going to just win huge today. and You'll see why Kyle Trask is probably the Heisman front runner. So you got Florida? Oh, yeah, huge. Okay. I'll ride with Florida on that. I don't see anything that overly excites me about Kentucky, even though I've seen them have some good spurts. But there again, I can't be an IU guy and and, and ever pick Kentucky. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. 
that's always going to be a given. Let's look at Northwestern. As we just talked about, they have a, a clear path to the Big Ten championship, provided, I mean, if the, the worst happens with Ohio State and they're not able to complete their completed games, that wouldn't leave a path for Northwestern. They've got Michigan State to, uh, today. I don't see any reason why Northwestern can't go on the road and beat Michigan State today. Yeah, but we saw Michigan State beat Michigan earlier in the year, which is kind of weird when we thought Michigan was still kind of maybe halfway decent. Uh, that's proven not to be the case. Uh, Michigan State's got a new head coach, Mel Tucker, came over from Colorado. Uh, I think he's going to build a decent program there. It's just going to take two or three years to get there, which is kind of normal for, for most po- programs that are up and coming. Uh Northwestern, as long as they don't trip up, they're in the Big Ten title game already because uh, they're on the other side of the conference, the, the other division, you know, not the one Ohio State and IU's in. IU, what, are they in the, the east and Northwestern is the west? I can't remember. Yeah, they, they seem to change They change these, these divisions like every couple of years. You used to be called leaders and legends, and then it went to something else. Now it's called east and west. Uh, they're in the other division, so uh, they're they're already set. They just don't. Don't get tripped up, and mm-hmm. that's it. You know, don't play not to lose. Play to win, right, because that's the problem. Teams tighten up and play not to lose, and they end up losing. Play to win. Don't get tripped up. Northwestern's going to be in. Uh, the question, is it going to be Ohio State or is it going to be IU that they're going to play against? All right, well, we saw the, the rankings come out today uh, this week, uh, obviously with Notre Dame being uh, number two, Alabama being number one. Um Let's break down the top four. And, and of course, again, like we saw Indiana get bumped down to number 12. Let's, uh, let's talk about the, the, the top four. And you've got the Clemson and um, Ohio State. I which, think they got the top four, Alabama, right? Yeah, which, by the okay. way, Ohio State – I said, by the way, Ohio State held a four. And, like I, like I said, the committee did not look favorably on that game against IU at all. Not for Ohio State. So you've got Notre Dame at two. You got Alabama at one. You've got uh, Clemson at three, and Ohio State at four. Let's break down the final four as we see it now. And, and do we really think that there's going to be any changes between now and uh, the the championship game, the playoff game? Uh, yeah, there could be a lot of changes because we still got the pandemic going on, and now Ohio State missing two games. And uh, who knows what that's going to It could change Tuesday because now they weren't play, able to play again this week. Does the committee keep them at number four with only playing, what, four games or whatever it is now? And you got Florida and A&M sitting out there. Uh, A&M's got an argument here because they beat Florida. Uh, do they have a chance? They don't have a chance at uh, going to the SEC championship game. They're on the same same division as Alabama. But Florida will go to the SEC championship game against Alabama. They're going to have to beat Alabama to get in. But if if, they, if the committee drops Ohio State out for only playing four games, uh, A&M or Florida is probably going to get in this week. I don't know. I don't know what the committee is going to do with this pandemic because uh, I thought they had the top four right. Uh, it was it was surprising to me a little bit because they flip flopped Clemson and Ohio State from what I thought they would do, but. Uh, Clemson have that loss, but they had that loss by not having Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I wouldn't say that's why they lost the game, but the committee saw that. They think Clemson is a better team if they were all healthy, better than Ohio State. That's why they flip-flopped them. Uh, 
But I don't know because next rank is coming out Tuesday. I don't know what they'll do with Ohio State now, having to cancel this week. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see how that how that plays out. I uh, just got a text from uh, uh, Scott. He's and I think you saw it too. Uh, he's being pulled in all different kinds of directions. So he doesn't he doesn't know if he's gonna be able to call now. So we'll see. Maybe his kidnappers he's not able to get away from. <laughs> well, let's see. Let's see what we got going on. All right. I don't know now. All right. I haven't paid attention to the phone here. <laughs> I've been t- paying attention to you only. I only have I IT mean, for this hour. Uh, <laughs> Thirty more, thirty more minutes of, of eyes, eyes with, with, with me. But uh, yeah, I mean, we talk about the, and let's let's just say that the 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 rankings stay in place they are now for the championship uh, playoffs. Uh, Notre Dame, I believe, would play Ohio State. And Clemson would play Alabama. How's that shape up? I think that's how it would tear out anyway. If, if it ended today, Notre Dame would play Clemson again for a third time. Okay. Let's say that the, the top four stayed. It would be Clemson and Notre Dame at, for a third time, but it won't end up that way because Clemson and Notre Dame have to play each other again here soon. So, but it, it's one versus four, two versus three. It's how the semifinal. That that's how they play it. Right. Well, let's go ahead and get on over here to our Heisman watch. And uh, certainly we're going to be uh, paying closer attention to that. And um, we talked about Notre Dame's quarterback should be in, in the Heisman conversation. I, we don't currently have him in our tracker yet, but that doesn't know. Nope, he's making the case. He at least should be in there. I mean, he talked about it a little bit. Yeah. So absolutely. So let's just kind of go through our tracker. I'm going ahead and put him down at number ten. Uh, Ian Book from Notre Dame uh, certainly has a, a solid. There's a lot of uh, things that he's shown the, uh, the committee to. Uh, he, he's shown the football world that he certainly deserves to be in the conversation. Um, I had Miles Brennan number ten in my Heisman watch. I'm going to move him down and just kind of. Uh, somebody else to watch but Ian Book definitely has a has was followed in his first full season as Notre Dame starting quarterback you know throwing for well over 3,000 yards with 34 touchdowns six interceptions you know so uh the Irish will need some pass catchers to emerge after the loss of the wide receiver uh, Claypool and I think he's also lost a tight end as well. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, Ian Book, uh, definitely a solid thing on that. Do, do you want to add any more to that conversation? But I think you agree with me on that one. Yeah, I don't even know what list you're looking at. But Miles Brennan's not even the starter at LSU anymore. He was taking out I'm looking, like, yeah. like, like, two, like two games ago. <laughs> so, I, 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 I'm not really looking at any particular list. I've created a list over oh, different gotcha. different changes. And I when I you're right. That's another reason to move him down. But even if that happened, hadn't happened, I wanted to make sure that we had Ian Book in the conversation. So that's why I, I, I took my – he was the last in my list of the top ten that I had. I've got a whole other ones that really don't matter at this, at this point. Uh, but, you know, there's some that aren't even playing. So we started this list a long time ago. Uh, it's, just, it's just kind of a, a building list, not even a spreadsheet. It's just more of a, of a, gotcha. a list. What about Kyle Trask with Florida? Trask uh, pressed the starting job, pressed into the starting job last fall. Um, so, what what are your thoughts on, on Kyle Trask, quarterback for Florida? 
Yeah, for me, he's a clear cut, uh, clear cut front runner, and uh, it, it really is going to come down to how he performs against Bama in the SEC championship game. If they don't get tripped up by Kentucky somehow, you know, they just don't need to be getting tripped up between now and Alabama. But he right now is the surefire number one. He's probably your Heisman winner right now. If the season ended today, he he's the Heisman winner. Next on my list is Kate Clovis, quarterback with USC. Um, he started back in 2019 as a third string and answered, certainly uh, answered the call uh, this year, especially this year. So certainly he would, he would think he would be in the conversation as well. Well, the I, I wouldn't put him in the conversation at all because uh, they've only played three games. Uh, I know the three and O, but all of these were just really close wins. They had, he hasn't looked that great. USC hasn't looked that great. This is apparently beating Arizona State. and uh, They beat Utah last week by a couple scores. That was Utah's first game of the season. Uh, I, I, Keaton Slovis is nowhere near the Heisman conversation. I mean, he's not even the same zip code. <laughs> Running back for Clemson, Travis Yente. Uh, he has the absurd <laughs> monster numbers. Did I mispronounce his last name? Yes, Travis Etn. Okay, but, but that makes it sound way too easy. <laughs> I need, I need a simple name. Etn. That's how you say it. Yes. That. Yep. That's right. So if you were to look at the way it's spelled and sound it out, you would come up with in, in Etn or something. I don't know. All right. <laughs> But certainly, uh, uh, he's certainly in the conversation. He's a he's a monster running back. He's a beast, um, and and, it, and he's often mentioned as one of the top players in the nation. I I ask you a question, okay? Uh, Notre Dame held him to twenty two yards rushing in their game, you know, a few weeks ago. So now, where, where would you put him? As far as in my watch for the. Uh, for the Heisman conversation, you're saying to not take, have him in there at all, or I mean, Notre Dame held him to 22 yards rushing. That's not Heisman-like numbers against a, a, a good team. When you, they vote for the Heisman and they look for these games against good teams and how you perform, that's the measuring stick. He only ran for 22 yards against Notre Dame. He played the entire game. Notre Dame shut him down. So. That well, really like hurts your highs and chances. Well, you know, here's here's this thing. I'm I'm not saying that he's going to win. These are people that are on our watch list. But oh, what yeah. I am saying, if, no, if I we're talking, it. if we're talking about a one game disaster or whatever, you're talking about Notre Dame. You know, held him and he didn't put up Heisman uh, numbers. Well, then you got to look at what IU was able to do uh, with Ohio State quarterback. Um, Justin Fields, and everybody's still talking about Justin Fields uh, being a Heisman Trophy winner. So if we're going to base that kind of logic on that, then we we need to stop talking about Justin Fields. No, being my, a, my point is, ETN has inflated numbers against teams that aren't that great, and then when they actually play a good team, uh, he disappeared. So that hurts the Heisman uh, chances right there. And about IU, I agree with you. Here's what IU did. IU exposed Justin Fields. IU mm-hmm. proved that all you have to do is just rattle, just rattle Justin Fields, and he becomes a turnover machine. 
Justin Fields is not in my top five for uh, in the Heisman race. I don't even have a top five. I have maybe a top three at, <laughs> at best. But uh, Justin Fields is not in that. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people would agree with that. And uh, I still have him in my top five, uh, you know, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, I mean, how, how it plays out, especially with him not being able to play today. And we look at – this is one of the things I've always uh, uh, been baffled about, trophy winners. They are voted winners based on something that they've done in maybe a two- or three-game leading up to the, the uh, selection not really looking at an entire season. It looks like if you're going to say this is one of the best of the year, the MVP, if you will, Heisman Trophy winner, it's, it's kind of a lot like that uh, in the college football world. If you're going to say this is the best contributor to the, to the game, you should look at the entire season and not just a couple game, good games leading up to the selection process. Well, it, it is. It, the Heisman Trophy is measured on the entire season but whatever postseason games you play the bowl games the playoff game the national championship game those two three games don't factor into it because the heisman is selected in in december you know they take the entire season your entire body of work so if you put travis etn in there that's fine because his entire body of work suggests that he's really damn good and maybe he's a top five contender but what i'm saying is when you go out and you run for 22 yards against Notre Dame, uh, that hurts you a lot. And it's going to be the next guy up, the next guy in line behind you is going to overtake your spot because if you're a Heisman contender, you should be able to carry your team in, in a way in a tough game against Notre Dame and not let them down by only rushing for 22 yards. I totally agree with you on that. So let's move on up my list here. Nahi Harris. Uh, running back for Alabama, and I know I pronounced that right because I listened to the radio broadcast about games often, and I hear how the podcast. <laughs> so I think I've got the Nahid Harris uh, correct. It's Naji. Um, Naji. Are you serious? Naji? Yeah, I mean it's Naji Harris. Yep. Okay, well I must. Uh, I have to admit, a lot of times I'm drinking when I. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> when I. Well, here's the thing. Like, it, 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 this could be fifty-fifty here, Tom. It could be half the country pronounces Nahi, and half the cut, uh, the country pronounces Naji. Uh, I've always heard it pronounced Naji Harris, so I, that's the way I've always gone with it. It could be Nahi, right? It could be fifty-fifty. So, I, I, I still say you're correct. I'll listen to the radio broadcast today, and however the the Alabama broadcaster, well, he's in the NASCAR. Uh, Broadcast booth too, but um, however he pronounced it, uh, uh, that's how we'll, we'll pronounce it. But nonetheless, Harris, <laughs> Harris, we'll get that part right. Is yet another high-profile running back who, you know, might be leaving for the NFL, and you know, yeah, they, yeah. and and certainly could be featured even more prominently this fall now that uh, the two has moved on. So. Well, I mean, you're all over it. This is probably my number two guy. You know, he's the best player on the best team in the country. Uh, you know, Kyle Trask is putting up the gaudy numbers at Florida, so that's why he's probably the number one. Uh, something happens along the way here, or if they factor in that uh, SEC championship game and uh, Bama wins big, I think Najee, Najee Harris might move it to your number one. 
Uh, he, he's definitely a, a Heisman favorite along with Kyle Trask. Uh, so you're right. In Alabama, yeah, I don't know what they do, but they're a running back factory anymore. And this is just the uh, the next one up. Okay, that brings us up to now my top five. Um, so I, I'm just going to set myself up for total failure on this one. But running back for Oklahoma State, <laughs> Chuba or Chuba? Hubbard. Chuba. Chuba. Chuba, all right. All right. That's how I thought. It, I thought that's how I thought it was pronounced. But he certainly has led the nation in rushing and uh, rushing attempts, and was the only player in the nation to run for at least a hundred yards in every game against an FBS uh, opponent. So you certainly got to put him in the top five uh, running back for Oklahoma State, Chuba Hubbard. Yeah, I'd still say he's a, a contender, but Oklahoma State's having a a down year, and that hurts his uh, productivity. So. Uh, for that, maybe he's not a top five guy, but I like Chuba Hubbard a lot. He's going to be in a, a great NFL. Well, I don't know about great. I can't predict that. He'll be in the NFL. If he's going to be good or great or not, it isn't up to me. <laughs> I well, like to think he would be, though. But, yeah, he, he's he's really good. At the beginning of the year, he was one of the front runners. It's just the uh, it's Oklahoma State not being that great this year, and now they're just defenses are able to uh, load, in the box, load the box against him because uh, Oklahoma State can't spread anybody out with the passing game. So teams are shutting him down some. That, that's what's hurt him. It, it's really Oklahoma State. It's not Chuba Hubbard. Uh, it, as far as a college running back, uh, he's great. He's, he's up, there, up there with Najee Harris. Uh, we might have number one and 1A when you talk about these two. But as far as a top five Heisman guy, I, I, I think that shift has sailed on him this year. I don't, I don't think he's in the top five. For me, he's still one of the greatest the great running backs in college football. And who I got at my number four slot, you know, we talk about Texas and we talk about the coach with Texas. And we talk about Texas having their issues, but we also have a quarterback there that's having a pretty good year. And really maybe we having an even better year if Texas as an organization was having a better year. And certainly Texas didn't live up to expectations in 2019, but, uh, I'm going to just call him Sam, but I'm going to say Happy, happy, happy Linger. Uh, <laughs> you know, Ellinger. Ellinger. Ellinger, okay. Ellinger. Yeah, so over 3,000 yards, 32 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, um, while adding 663 yards. So he'll be – a lot of people say he'll be in the mix – uh, especially especially if the, the Longhorns contend in the Big 12, which – Again, we don't know what's happening with Texas. So well, they got two or three losses now. So they're <laughs> yeah, they they they've got three losses now. So I mean, they're not contending in the Big Twelve anymore. But you know, earlier in the year, he had some come from behind wins, and everybody was talking. About he's proven his case how he's the Heisman front runner. And I think for like maybe a week or two, he was the Heisman front runner. But uh. Texas just isn't that good this year. Now they, they just suffered their third loss yesterday. I mean, this is a, a close game, one that Sam Ellinger should have just led them to a win if he was, you know, truly the, the Heisman guy. He doesn't have Heisman numbers. He's a good quarterback. He'll go to the NFL. I don't know if he'll go after this season. I don't know if he's a junior or senior or what his eligibility is, but he's an NFL guy. He'll be there. He'll get his chance anyway. Uh, he could still so, be a contender because just how crazy this year is with the pandemic, but – as far as actually having a chance to win, uh, yeah, he doesn't really have that much of a chance. So, hey, Rick, stand by. 
He's escaped. Breaking and news. He's escaped and he's called in. And uh, I know he's Uh-oh. getting out, getting out <laughs> of the army. Scott is with us. Scott, I know in the army, if you're captured, you got to make every attempt to escape, and it looks like you've been able to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's survive and evade, and I was able to evade. But we we made up survive a whole and We made up a whole backstory for uh, Rick and I did that you were uh, captured by uh, unknown assailants and thrown in a van with no way to to get on the air today. So that's kind of been well, our backstory. I, 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 I knew my assailants. I just couldn't get away. <laughs> well, I'm glad you could join us. Certainly stick around as long as you want. I know you're on the road uh, back to Indiana from Kansas. And, and believe me, I've driven through Kansas a few times. There's nothing there anyway, and you're not driving. So feel free to hang on as long as you want with us. You don't you don't have to get off in 10 minutes. Uh, you know, yep, you can stay good, Tom. Stay as long as you want. So you can jump right in the conversation here with us. We're talking, uh, we're going through kind of my top 10 um, uh, Heisman Trophy. Uh, we just got done talking about Sam. At- I'm going to just say that. Ellinger. We just got done talking about him. Do you want to add anything <laughs> from Kansas? And then we're going to get on to our, our number three, which I think is a pretty good uh, conversation piece to have. Uh, but go ahead, uh, Scott. Yeah, so I mean, talking about Ellinger, he was he was a favorite for me at the beginning of the year, and I mean, the potential for that offense and for him was there. Having their own problems at the moment uh, with guys going, they had ten guys going to the transfer portal. That's a whole different discussion on why what why that happened. Uh, but for Ellinger, I mean, he had the potential. He just it was the offense and the team as a whole has underperformed under Tom Herman, and I'm wondering if Tom Herman is going to have his job when this season's over. Yeah, we were talking about that, too, and, and, you know, we were saying also, at least I was saying, that he'd be much better in the conversation if, if Texas wasn't falling around all around him, and we, we talked about earlier that Tom Herman is definitely on the hot seat, and we don't really know what to equate that. You know, oftentimes when you see good coaches like Tom Herman, who has did good in other schools and not do so good in another school where logically that they should, there's usually something going on in-house, whether it's politically uh, with the athletic director, whether it's something going on in the locker room, uh, it's it's there's usually something other than their coaching abilities, and I don't know what that is at Texas per se. But my uh, guess I think is it's probably it's, his coaching staff. Okay, I mean you I still mean, recruit like big time talent at Texas, and they are, but for some reason that that's not translating into wins you know, on the field. And the only thing I can uh, can't compare that to is. You see the way Alabama is recruiting right now, these, these past like eight, ten years. Charlie Weiss was doing that at Notre Dame, getting these same caliber guys, loading the team with five-star recruits, and they couldn't win. So the problem is either him, it's his coaching style, which I think he's actually still a pretty good coach, or the other problem would be his coaching staff. And some things gonna, are going to have to get moved around, and he's going to have to change like his, I don't know, his philosophy, but he needs to – hire some guys on the staff that's going to fit the talent because I think that's what's really the problem. I don't think it's, it's the athletic director or anything front office as far as the team goes. I don't even think it's Tom Herman. I think he's still good enough of a coach to win at Texas. I think it's the guys around him that that is probably maybe just dragging the team down a bit. Let's move on up the list to number three here. And, I, I mean, again, we, we 
I'll talk about my number two here in a minute. We've already talked about him a little bit, but my number three is Spencer Rattler. Rattler has yet to start a game in his collegiate career, but it's a safe bet that the writing that the starting quarterback for a Lincoln Riley coach team will post Heisman worthy numbers. And Rattler is a former five-star recruit who completed seven out of 11 passing attempts in mop-up duty as a true freshman. Should we, or should we not be having a conversation about Spencer Rattler? We'll start with you, Scott. Or not. Uh, Rick. All right. <laughs> so let me get this straight. Your number one is Kyle Trask. Your number two is Najee Harris. And your number three is not Trevor Lawrence. No, I had. Tre- I have to admit, I, f- I jumped on the Trevor Lawrence train a long time ago. And thanks for rushing my list, but he knew I had his number one. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, Scott, are you with us still, Scott? Yep, still here. So, so we're going backwards. We're going one, two, three. We're at three right now. We are going. We're in that. That's where my list is at. I'm not looking at any one particular list. He might be number three in a lot of other lists. It's just lists that I've carried over over the okay. weeks. And, and unless something major happens, I, I don't change things. Like, for example, bring you up to speed from earlier. I didn't have Ian Book as as in the conversation, but after seeing him yesterday, he certainly should be in the conversation. I think he needs to be in the conversation now. I think he should be. I'm not saying as a, as a Notre Dame fan, just, just look what he's doing now since this Clemson. He, look what he did against Clemson. Look what he's done since Clemson. There's a couple games before Clemson where he's thrown 300 yards and ran for, you know, 70, 80 yards or whatever it is. I mean, come on. It, it's time to at least, like, just mention him at least. You know, you know, and I'd, I'd have to agree a little bit there. I mean, his numbers, he doesn't have the sexy numbers that some of the other programs will get out of their quarterback. But he is now the number two all-time passer in Notre Dame history. Uh, that, and that, yeah. that says something, you know. Uh, and, and the level of competition he's playing says something. When you look at someone like a Justin Fields is in the conversation, uh, you know, Alabama, they, they've just been blowing people out. And uh, you can see what Najee Harris does and, I think Ian Book needs to be in a conversation for sure. All right, guys, uh, we left off with Spencer Rattler, so go right ahead. Uh, Scott, what are your thoughts on him? Uh, I mean, it's just another one of those, you know, Lincoln Riley program-esque quarterbacks. I, I don't think that he's in the conversation for the for the Heisman. Uh, they're not in the – they're in the conversation to win the Big 12, but they're not in the playoff picture. And I feel like – the Heisman should be more of an MVP style award. How important are you to your team? Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry, Scott. We talked. We said that exact same thing just a few minutes ago. So yeah, yeah oh, you're sorry. totally. I missed that. No, you're fine. No, you're fine. I'm just in total agreement with you. Total, total agreement with you. Um, Rick, what are your thoughts? Spencer Rattler, quarterback for Oklahoma. Uh, not this year. Get that get that kid two more years in the system when he's a junior. Then we're going to probably really seriously talking about him to probably be the Heisman front runner. It's going to be him, uh, but he's got to be go up against DJ Ugalele against Clemson here in about a year or two. So if you're going to talk Heisman, because that kid at Clemson is going to be a stud. Uh, I think they both will be, but Rattler just needs another year or two uh, with Lincoln Riley, and then we'll be talking about him like as a legit contender. And, you know, we've been talking about Justin Fields. I got him as my number two uh, with Ohio State. But we saw him the, – the, the, we talked earlier, Scott, 
Rick and I did about, you know, a one game performance, uh, how, the, you know, they weren't held against uh, – uh, did Heisman numbers. And so we could look at Justin Fields last week against IU. IU did a great job against Ohio State, uh, a fantastic job. And certainly Justin Fields did not put up Heisman type caliber. Uh, certainly I, I'm keeping him in the list, but, I mean, Rick kind of thinks that he needs to not be in the conversation. Also based on, on the games that he's played, that in part. So, uh, Scott, what are your thoughts, Justin Fields, quarterback, Ohio State? So, kudos to IU and the way they played that game last week, whole different conversation. Uh, Justin Fields is probably the best player in the country. Uh, you know, next to ne- probably neck and neck with Trevor Lawrence as far as a collegiate as far as a collegiate player goes. Uh, but his his scheduling and the amount of games he's going to play and level of competition because the Big Ten is not thick from top to bottom. If that's going to keep him as a Heisman second place runner up, it's not going to allow him to win the Heisman. Uh, but I, I think he's probably the best player collegiately in the country. Scott, I mean Rick, are are you still? in the conversation that you don't think Justin Fields should be in the uh, Heisman Trophy 2020 conversation? No, it's uh, IU exposing a bit. IU proved that if you just rattle him a little bit, he becomes a turnover machine. And then it's that with the lack of games they played here. They've only played four games, and you're going to compare that uh, against guys like Kyle Trask and uh, Mac Jones, Najee Harris. Uh, I, I bet maybe you could put Trevor Lawrence – in that too, I know they've missed a game or two now, but you're comparing him against guys that have been playing a full season now, and I just the numbers aren't there. Uh, it wasn't that great against IU. Uh, I, I I don't. He's probably still top five, but he would not be in my top three. Hey Scott, so earlier we were t- when we started going through the list, we were talking about Kyle Trask. I've had him in my top ten at round number nine. As I as I mentioned earlier, I now have Trevor Lawrence as my number one. Um, so, you know, Rick thinks that, that the Florida quarterback will be your winner for the Heisman Trophy. Uh, what are your thoughts? That, uh, I said if they so, beat Alabama, yes, Kyle Trask. Okay. Right now, if the All season right. ended today, if the season Take ended news. today, Kyle, Kyle Trask is your, is your winner. But it's okay, not so, ending today. So, here's, so. A, here's, here's a thought on Kyle Trask. So, if we remember the epic season that Joe Burrow had last year. Kyle Trask has – the all-time record for most touchdowns through eight games in SEC history, and that's you know that includes last and year Joe Burrow's epic season. Yeah, the, the greatest quarterback and season ever. Yeah. What what yeah what's going to keep Kyle Trask from having just all-time epic numbers is the lack of a full season, lack of non-conference games. He's going to have he's going to get 10, 11 games, but he's not going to be able to reach Joe Burrow numbers overall. Uh, but the fact that he's, like, on pace and surpassing Joe Burrow, that says a lot to me about the type of season he's having. And he is the Heisman frontrunner. All right, guys, when we come down to our official regulation, time is up. Uh, we're going to take a break. Scott, are you going to hang around? Rick, do you want to hang around? Yeah. What's the topic? Yes, I will hang around. What's that? What, what's the subject matter? We're going to be continuing conversation with Tony Donahue for the Tony D podcast on college football overall. Uh, some of the other games today, and some college basketball. All right, I'll hang around. 30 more minutes. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Hi, this is a good one, kind of groove. 
Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run. No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. All right, fellow babies, and now it's time to go to our live remote man on the scene at the Pinedale Shopping Mall for the big WKRP turkey giveaway. So take it away, Les Nessman. This is Les Nesman, your man on the scene here at the Pinedale Shopping Center, where the excitement is mounting. We're here to witness the big WKRP hey, turkey Thanksgiving giveaway. Hey, you got permission to be out here? What? You're blocking my store here, buddy. Don't you know who I am? Huh? I'm Les Nesman. I won the Buckeye News Fuck Award last year. <laughs> Good for you, Buckeye. Now get out of my doorway. I'm sorry. Creep. <laughs> So far, so good, huh? I'm here with hundreds of people who have gathered to witness what has been described as perhaps the greatest turkey event in Thanksgiving Day history. All we know for sure is that in a very few moments, there are going to be a lot of happy people out here. Now, the crowd is... The, the crowd is, uh, curious, but well-behaved. And I think I hear something now. Uh, the crowd is moving out into the parking area. And, oh, yes, I can see it now. It's a, it, it's a helicopter. And it's coming this way. A helicopter? It's flying something behind it. I can't quite make it out. It's a large banner. And it says, uh, Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, w. Gentlemen, what a sight. The copter seems to be circling the parking area now. I guess it's looking for a place to land. No, something just came out of the back of the helicopter. It's uh, a dark object. 
perhaps a skydiver, plumbing things to the earth from only 2,000 feet into the air. The third. No parachutes yet. Driving back from Kansas, uh, Rick Riggin, and, and joining us now, Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast. Guys, I know I'm a little behind on the Thanksgiving. I didn't have all of those lined up last week, uh, but I tell you what, an old radio guy like myself cannot help but appreciate uh, the flying turkey drop. Tony, how are you, sir? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. Tony, I know you're not as, as old as I am. But uh, you 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 got to respect radio and old radio with WKRP and the, and the turkey drop. Have you ever seen that scene? Uh, no, I have not. <laughs> well, they start they start throwing turkeys off the helicopter, and well, turkeys can't fly, right? And they're just crashing and and and, and just dying all over the parking lot. At the end, the general manager comes in. There's feathers all over, him, and he's just standing there. And the and the radio lobby saying, "I swear to God, I thought turkeys could fly." <laughs> <laughs> it's classic, guys. We're we're gonna uh, continue our conversation uh, that we kind of started. Uh, Scott, I know you're driving back from Kansas. Um, and Tony joins us, and Rick is hanging on a little bit more. So uh, we'll, we'll let's go ahead and bring you into this conversation, uh, Tony. We've been talking for the last 20 minutes or so about the Heisman uh, Trophy, and you know, kind of our my list. I should say it's not necessarily because we've disagreed on a few. But let me kind of give you my top five: Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Spencer Rattler, uh, uh, Sam. Uh, uh, Rick, help me out with that last name again. Ellinger. Ellinger, I don't know why I have to start that. Uh, Chubba Hubbard and Nijay Harris, I think I've got it right now. That's in my top six. Uh, certainly feel free to add anybody that you want. One of the persons that we did add from yesterday's game, watching them with Notre Dame, was Ian Book, and put him in that top ten conversations of, of uh, Heisman Trophy uh, uh, candidates. What are your thoughts, Tony? Yeah, I think um, Ian Book has to be in the conversation seeing what Notre Dame is doing. They're playing an ACC schedule for the first time. Uh, he tied the all-time record for starting quarterback wins for Notre Dame. Brian Kelly is six wins away from being the sole leader of the most wins as a head coach at Notre Dame, which is incredible. Um, I thought Brock Purdy uh, needed to be in conversation, the Iowa State quarterback there. They, they go on the road yesterday. They knock off Texas for the first time. Uh, in a very long time, they punched their ticket to the Big 12 championship game. Uh, I, I think Brock Purdy is guy that flies under the radar. I think Penix at IU, the throws that he made, and to bring Indiana all the way back against Ohio State, and to make mm-hmm. that a respectable game. Um, you know, he made all the throws. Sometimes his receivers just didn't catch him, but he made all the throws last week that he needed to on the major stage to be in that conversation. And I think Kyle Trask down at Florida. I mean, he is he is a top tier quarterback. They did have that that one mix up where they lost to Texas A and M, but he's been without uh, Pitts, which is his number one tight end, who's a top fifteen pick in the NFL draft. So 
Um, I think Book needs to be – there's a lot of guys that need to be in the conversation. You're going to have to narrow it down. But, you know, sometimes we just fall in love too much with, oh, who's in the top four? Oh, well, it's Trevor Lawrence. Well, well, well Trevor Lawrence has missed some games. So, if they lose, is he no longer in the conversation? And then you look at guys at Alabama and you say, oh, well, there's always got to be a couple guys at Alabama. But I think some under-the-radar names would be Ian Book, Brock Purdy, Kyle Trask, and Penix down at IU. Uh, Rick, go, go ahead, because, you know, he brought up some interesting names. And, and you know, one of the, the, the things, Rick and Scott, you want to know how is COVID going to actually affect the selection process of the Heisman? Because there are uh, quarterbacks that are very, very good that could be in the conversation that might have missed games, such as Fields, uh, because it's beyond their control. Uh, we'll start with you, Rick. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's just running down your list. Uh, I love the conversation piece here, but it just reminds me of how much I despise, like, your top six because Kyle Trask is – if the season ended t- today, uh, he's probably your Heisman winner. And uh, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence missing these games. IU just proved that uh, if you just rattle Trevor uh, Justin Fields a little bit, he becomes a turnover machine with three interceptions. Uh, yeah, that was not a great Heisman-like performance. And plus them only playing uh, four games this year. Scott might be right. He might be the best quarterback in college football or maybe even overall the best player. But just this year with the pandemic, uh, the lack of games, I don't know what the voters are are, are going to do. Uh, But you both are right that Ian Book right now should actually – should just be talked about in the conversation. Uh, Maybe nowhere near – like a, a front runner type thing where he actually has a shot, but we got to at least talk about him because uh, what he's done did against Clemson, what he's been doing, what he did against uh, North Carolina, which he played really great defense yesterday. He's carrying the team, he's putting the team on his shoulders, and he's he's having great numbers, and they're getting the job done. So he he needs to be talked about. Scott, what are your thoughts as far as how's this COVID going to affect the selection process? And is there any other names that you want to add uh, to our list as, just as, as far as conversation pieces go? So the, with, with the COVID, you have – we were all hoping Ohio State was going to have eight games. The Big Ten was going to get eight games in and at least show somewhat of a schedule. They got their game canceled today. They're not going to replay that game. So the most Ohio State's going to get is going to be seven games and – probably their conference championship. And that's not to say that they don't lose another game or two here coming up in the future. And who knows what happens. It's a, and then Trevor Lawrence with COVID missing the, missing the two games, they're, they're, they, they're not going to put up the numbers. But the highs is all about numbers, you know, the last couple of decades. How, who has the best numbers in the country? That's who's going to get the highs. Uh, and Ian Book, I mean, he had one touchdown pass yesterday. He ran the ball really well outside the pocket. But he's, if you're going to get one touchdown, you're not going to have the numbers for, for the Heisman. Great leader. He, he is the backbone of that team. But if you don't put up in the same thing with Brock Purdy, you know, Brock Purdy is leading that Iowa State team. But if you don't have the numbers, you're not going to get the Heisman. And that's, that's just my overall thought. Tony, uh, real, you know, yesterday we saw another quarterback uh, play that, you know, I had on my list and has been on my list for a while to watch. Certainly don't have him in my top ten. Uh, and, and, Rick, we'll let you chime in, too, because you, you saw what a great game that Notre Dame and uh, North Carolina had defensively, not so much offensively. But should we still be talking in the conversation as others to look at, others to watch uh, Sam Howe with North Carolina, Tony? I mean, the, the the problem with a lot of is is 
those type of quarterbacks I feel like are a dime a dozen that play at the North Carolinas, that play at the Texases, that play at the Baylors, that play at Oregon, that play at Washington. So, again, at some point, you know, you've got to narrow that list down, and they're going to look at where are you in the rankings. Are you – you know, the Heisman Trophy is, is, is supposed to be the MVP, the best player on that team. So where are you record-wise? And if, and if you're 6-2 and two or 6-3 and three like North Carolina is right now, then I just don't think you're going to be a guy that is going to be looked at if you're losing football games. I mean, only one time in the history of the Heisman Trophy has a player been on the losing team. Um, but, again, I think Trask is right there. Mac Jones in the conversation. Um, you know, and also, I, I don't know if you guys mentioned this guy, but, but, but Zach Wilson at BYU, you can only play your schedule. Wilson's the guy who's going to play on Sundays. And BYU is doing exactly what they have to do, uh, regardless of who it is. Now, he's probably not going to win the Heisman Trophy, but I certainly think that he needs to be invited into the conversation because Zach Wilson is a guy at BYU that makes the throws, that can, that can go on the run. They're blowing everybody out when they need to. He's tied for second in the country with 26 touchdown passes. Um, I, I, just, I just think he throws so many. He's like Penix. He throws so many footballs that should be caught, that, that he does his job putting it on the marks. And it, with the BYU team that probably doesn't get the spotlight enough because they're on ESPN2 playing against Hawaii at 11 o'clock, BYU, I think, is a team, and so is Cincinnati as well. But I think BYU is a team that, that really deserves a chance to, to compete with the big boys. You know, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because it kind of brings me back full circle in the conversation we were having about Notre Dame. And, Rick, I'll let you chime in on this. The way I understand BYU, and I have to admit I'm not an expert on some of those Western conferences, but they're not actually a part of any conference per se, and they opted not to get into a conference so, but then Alabama, I mean, Notre Dame went in with the ACC. looks like they're going to win the ACC championship and, and obviously have a, a chance for a national championship. A lot of people connect those dots and say Notre Dame made the right choices early on to do that. BYU, I believe, is in the same situation. They chose not to uh, get in a uh, conference uh, for football this year. Do you think that hurt or helped them? And, and certainly, I agree with uh, Tony, Rick, on the conversation with their, their QB. He's certainly a, a silent warrior, if you will. No, you got to give BYU a ton of credit because uh, every school west of the Mississippi canceled their season except for BYU. And uh, they had to piece together a schedule. And Tony's right. Uh, you can only They can only play the schedule that, that they have. I mean, I know like a week ago last weekend – Maybe it was for this weekend where maybe they were looking to play against Washington or Washington State. Yeah, we'll come play you, and then BYU turned it down. Or I'm not sure how that worked. Or maybe it's the big, maybe it's the Pac-12 that turned that game down. I'm not sure how that worked. That would have been a good, uh, you know, a stat a stat point, a data point, I guess, uh, as far as his Heisman uh, contention goes. But uh, yeah. They have to play the schedule that's given to them and give them a lot of credit for piecing together a, a, a schedule when everybody out west canceled. Scott, what are your thoughts on BYU? And they, so they had five games scheduled against Power 5 opponents, which would have made their resume look so much better. I mean, they're, they're beating teams 45-10, 45-17, week in and week out. And then the first college football playoff rankings come out, and they dropped five spots in the polls. So we saw with the schedule there. They're not impressed by who their opponents are, and that has nothing to do with how you originally had scheduled. Uh, 
top 10 teams. And we, we do this every year. We see the, you know, we have the coaches poll and the AP poll, and then the final, as soon as the playoff committee gets involved, there's a couple teams, one or two teams, where they're ranking from what coaches in the AP thought compared to what the playoff committee thinks, you know, that their numbers are skewed. And BYU lost five spots as soon as the playoff committee goes out with the first poll because of schedule. They're a great team, but they're not going to be in that playoff picture now. Tony, let's talk about another team out west. We already talked about it earlier, but a big win for Oregon State over number nine, Oregon. We kind of uh, got off on the weeds a little bit about how they used to call this game the Civil War, and now they're not able to do that. It's just kind of crazy things of how they're changing some of these names around. But really, big, big win, even if it wasn't by points, it was a big win for non-ranked Oregon, Oregon State over number nine, Oregon, which used to be uh, the Civil War game, the Civil War Bowl and whatever. Yeah, to finish up my point real quick on BYU, you look at that schedule, as everybody mentioned, you know, it was it was kind of pieced together. You know, they, they at least got a ranked opponent in Boise State. But where BYU is right now at number eight, it, it's just simply out of sight, out of mind. It's like that girl you break up with, and you don't really think about her because you don't see her. But then one night at the bar, you see her, and you're like, oh, oh, that's right. I used to date her. Well, the fact <laughs> is that BYU has, BYU has openings in their schedule until Saturday December the 12th. So that's still two weeks away when they play San Diego State where they've been trying to get a football game in there. So right now the committee's looking at it going, well, they're not playing. So, you know, we're not going to deduct them for that, but we're not going to let them gain either. So we're going to put them between 8th and 12th of the next couple of pools. When you look at Oregon, Oregon is a football team that has, that has been right on the verge of being upset over the last couple of weeks. And Oregon State has actually played – pretty dang well so you look at what Oregon has done you you know it, it was back and forth against Washington State it, it came out to be a 14 point game but but Washington State was in that game the whole way UCLA played them incredibly tough and then of course they slip up against Oregon State Oregon State is a team that can rush the football they can, we, we saw that right away in the first quarter um, and both defenses, it was like, who's going to have the football last last night? And, and Oregon State's been in every game that they've played. They, they they beat Cal last week. They went up to Washington, which is probably the toughest place to play in the Pac-12, and hung in that football game. And they let Washington State kind of pull away on them. But, you know, that was that's your typical trap game. If you watched it, you saw the fog was playing a factor. It seemed like everybody on both sides had an extra speed burst and – you know, Oregon blew blew that game. I mean, they had a thirty-one to seventeen advantage, and they they were a touchdown away. But they just simply that defense could not stop. Um, fortunately for Oregon, moving forward, they're going to move out of the top ten. They're probably going to end up ranked fifteenth, sixteenth, or seventeenth. Going to Cal is going to be tough, and Washington is going to play them tough. Uh, but, but, but this Oregon season and, and really flipped it upside down with this loss. Yeah, absolutely. It was a big loss and certainly with a lot of implications. Uh, Rick Rickett, I know we only got you for a few more minutes. We're getting ready to jump into some college basketball talk real quickly here. Uh, so I'm going to give you the final word on college football. Uh, what say you, Rick? I think we're seeing what we're starting to see pan out is I think that we got two teams I think are dead set now going to make the playoff. As long as Notre Dame doesn't trip up against Syracuse or Wake Forest, they can lose now against uh, Clemson, the ACC championship game, and still get in. I think that's what's going to happen. You're going to see Bama one. If Notre Dame loses to ACC, uh, Clemson, the ACC title game, they'll just drop to four. It'll be uh, Bama, Notre Dame, and the uh, 
first game of the semifinal, which you know, I'm a Notre Dame fan. I kind of don't want to see that myself. But I, I think those two teams are pretty well – I'd like to get, hear Tony's thoughts on this too real quick. I think those two teams are pretty well locked in. Go ahead, Tony. Yeah, I think Notre Dame, even with a loss in the rematch against Clemson, is going to be in the college football playoff. You look at what Alabama is going to have over the next couple of weeks and, you know, the SEC championship game. I I don't see them slipping up, to be honest with you. Clemson's interesting. If Clemson does beat Notre Dame, I think the committee puts them in. You've got the – You've got the wild factor in Trevor Lawrence, who everybody's in love with. Um, Ohio State missing a game today. We'll see how much that dings them. But but Alabama will have no problem with Auburn today. They'll have no problem um, with LSU. And then they'll set themselves up for a matchup against Florida in the SEC title game. That'll be interesting because if Alabama were to lose and Florida were to win that game, then you got to look at, okay, Notre Dame, Alabama, maybe Florida, and maybe Clemson. So there's still a lot of work to be done, um, and we'll see how much Ohio State losing this game and then what they do in the Big Ten championship game will affect them. Because if you look at the standings, I mean, I I, I hate to say this, and and this is going to – I don't mean to offend anybody when this is said, um, but you look at the Big Ten standings for football right now, and and you're telling me we're going to see – probably what Northwestern take on Ohio state here in Indianapolis in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, and, unless they look at Ohio state and say, well, you played one last game. Uh, but I think it's going to end up being Ohio state and Northwestern. And I think Ohio state wins that game handily and punches their tickets. But again, with this COVID situation um, and today's game being postponed against Illinois, um, you just never know. But Michigan State, Michigan, I don't think Ohio State will have any problems with them. They'll get Northwestern in that Big Ten championship game, and I think it'll be Ohio State. So right now, if I had to bet, it's going to be Clemson, Notre Dame, Alabama, and um, uh, who was I thinking? Oh, Alabama. Oh, possibly Florida oh. if they win in the SEC championship game. Uh, Clemson, Notre Dame right there. I think Ohio State's going to find themselves on the outside looking in. Well, you know, being an IU guy, I kind of hope that 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 happens. As as I said, what a great game that was last week. Even if IU came up with the loss, I mean, it it was just a crazy, crazy uh, game. And my my, it was an emotional roller coaster for me. (laughs) Let me tell you what. All right, Rick, we're getting ready to jump into some college basketball. I I know you always like to be politely excused for college basketball until we get to March Madness. So (laughs) you're more than welcome. Right. Yeah. Uh, But we're gonna jump into that. And uh, have, have a good one, guys. I mean, hey, I, I hey, do watch IU. I could talk hey, IU basketball with you, but yeah, what's up? Hey, Rick, real quick. Uh, does Matt Patricia make it make it to Monday, or does he uh, finish the season with the Lions? Gosh, I hope he don't make it till Monday. <laughs> uh, he's not going to make it past. The, he's not going to make it uh, once the season's over. He will not be the head coach next year. Uh, he might make it to Monday, but he will not be a. He, he won't be uh, on the sidelines next season, definitely. All right, buddy. You are, you're certainly welcome to talk some uh, basketball with us. I was just I, I, I was just trying to give you your easy out because you <laughs> – Yeah. We, well, we well there, there's, there, 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 there's one name for IU that I, I really watch because he's a hometown kid here in Evansville. It's Christian Lander. And uh, uh-huh. 
watching him. He's going to be uh, the next big thing here for IU next uh, couple of years. Right now it's fantasy and, uh, you know, those guys. They, they look good. They look good the other, day, the other day against Tennessee Tech. But uh, uh, keep eye on Christian Landers this year. And we'll also keep an eye on the aces down there this year as the, as the year uh, goes along. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, Rick. We'll talk to you later. All right. Have a good one, guys. All right, we'll see you. Rick Reagan, uh, our, one of our college football guys, jumped on. He's a Notre Dame guy, did a little overtime with us. Scott, I appreciate you sticking around with us. I know you're on that drive back from Kansas. And like I said, I've been on that road before. And there's nothing there anyway. And you told me you weren't actually driving. So, hey, yes. Glad you could stick around. Tony Donahue for the Tony D Podcast. Guys, I wanted to get into some college basketball talk. We can run over a little bit. Tony, if you need to go, just let me know. Uh, Ed's not going to be able to join us today. Uh, he had some obligations come up with the uh, media availability with the Eagles and right at the exact time he was supposed to call in. So that kind of got changed around for their game on Monday. Uh, but, uh, Tony, let's, let's talk kind of really talk through – we're very early in the in the basketball season, so let's just address the elephant in the room. We've not heard college basketball and make the rule the wars the 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 uh, chattering about COVID uh, that we heard in football. Is basketball taking it a little bit differently? Or are they going to put everybody in a bubble like the NBA? What are your thoughts on how the season's going to look uh, for uh, college basketball? Well, if nothing else, to ensure that we have a March Madness. Yeah, I don't think that you have to take necessarily the the massive, you know, protocols when it comes to COVID, like some of these college football teams do, just because there's simply not as much staff. And and if you're traveling with only the staff that you need, you're talking about 12, 13 players, four or five coaches, um, you know, a water boy or two, and you, you know, an immediate medical personnel. So. Um, I, I, I think that they're going to be okay just in the simple fact that they don't have to have as many people around as what football teams do when you're traveling with, you know, 60, 60 to 65 players, 15 to 20 coaches. You have to have more medical staff uh, because it's, it's a more injury-prone sport. Um, really interesting to see what some of these conferences do. And, you know, I mentioned this in my podcast three months ago at the Big Ten to do a bubble here in Indianapolis and and the NCAA kind of took that and ran with it as far as hey we're going to make the tournament here and we're going to we're going to make the NCAA tournament here in a bubble situation which I think will be very good and we can get into it if you want to but but I think certainly for the NCAA tournament uh, a bubble situation will be will be fun to watch fun to see how they do it I have plenty of ideas um, but 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 we'll see if we see games canceled because of COVID, and we'll see if we see teams pull out of, of, of certain things because of COVID. But, you know, if your team makes the NCAA tournament, especially if you're a, let's say, a Belmont down in Nashville that's got a pretty good basketball program that can make it to the tournament, or, you know, Stephen F. Austin down in Texas, you know, you need that money. You want to go to the tournament. You want to play on national TV. So, you know, COVID's not going to hold you back from that. And basketball is really the, the – of, of the major college sports basketball is really the sport that small teams as you know small teams like the Belmonts of the world I know I always go back to them or you know Denver University that hey we can go play on a national stage and be in the spotlight and possibly win a game and make an upset and you just, you just can't get that in football you're not going to see you know Grand Canyon State who I don't even think has a college team 
uh, for football, go play Ohio State. But, but, but these basketball programs have a chance and an opportunity to play on a national stage and, and, and to really make some noise on that national stage. And, and basketball is the only sport where they have that opportunity. Well, I'll tell you what, it was just a huge disappointment not to have March Madness uh, this year, not only from a fan standpoint, but you got to look at the economic impact that had across uh, the, the nation by not being able to have that uh, from the big TV contracts to the, the local vendors to the local bars, just a lot of economic impact that happened. So hopefully they're able to get that to, together. Scott, we'll bring you into the conversation here. Um, now, I know that you are, are you guys moving back to Indiana now that you're out of the Army there from Kansas or? Oh, we just went to go visit family. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Well, here's, here's the thing. We'll talk about – we'll just kind of go through some of these games that are on tap. Yesterday, you guys kind of didn't show up too well against uh, – and I'm talking about your, your Wildcats now, not the, not the Jayhawks, the other Kansas team. Uh, but uh, Colorado yesterday kind of fell uh, 58-76. That puts you guys at 0-2, I believe, which isn't the end of the world, still the very beginning of the season. But talk with us about your Kansas State uh, Wildcats, sir. Yeah, they, you know, and they were only a 500 team last year. There's not a lot to be excited about for uh, Kansas State basketball at the moment and football for that matter with everything that's going on with the football program. Uh, my real thought about college basketball, so you've got the Big Ten, who they can't even play once a week for football at the moment. I don't see how college basketball keeps their season going. Uh, number two, Baylor had to cancel their first two or three basketball games uh, because of travel and COVID and everything going on with opponents and just here to travel. Uh, college basketball, there are so many teams, over 300 teams in Division One, uh, With the travels involved, there is no way that they're going to go have a 64-team tournament. They can't put that many teams under a bubble. There's too many personnel uh, involved with a men's college basketball team. Uh, I don't see how they can do their season. If they can't do once-a-week football in, in, with some of these universities, how are you going to do two or three times a week basketball? Uh, I just don't see it happening. I don't see their March Madness happening this year again. Well, that's unfortunate. I hope that that, that happens. Uh, Tony, uh, let's look at some of these games that that we've got on tap yesterday. We'll talk about the other uh, uh, Kansas team, uh, Kansas Jayhawks. They they pull off a pretty good win yesterday. We've got the, the ranked number six, I believe, nationally right now in the top twenty-five. But Kansas Jayhawks are certainly a team that we always look at come March, uh, certainly very early on in the season, uh, very early to make uh, uh, March Madness predictions. But for conversation purposes, where you look at uh, the, the, the Jayhawks, I think they're in the, the Pac-12 or the Big 12 uh, for uh, basketball this year. Still early, and, 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 and they get you know a tough schedule to start the season. Um, when you look at, they had to play number one Gonzaga. They kind of hung tough at a shootout on uh, on Wednesday. They lose that game. Then they got to come to Indianapolis here on Tuesday uh, to play, I believe, Kentucky in the State Farm Classic. So, uh, just to go back to the point, though, I mean, me being, I guess, an eternal optimist on this, I think there is a good chance that if you can if you can get through the season, which is tough. You know, and, and you look at what the NBA did in bringing 18 teams down there, um, obviously bringing 64 teams to Indy, the NCAA is looking at it like this. Okay, we can pod everybody off. Look, there's enough hotel rooms and dorm rooms that are sitting empty in the Indianapolis area right now where you can put teams in these hotel rooms 
and in these dorm rooms on campuses. You can allow them to play. You could put, if you needed to, because really all you need is a court, a score stand, two hoops, and some benches. You could realistically put three courts inside of the convention center. Um, they have, they, they've, they've, they've played host to many AAU and high school tournaments before. And as long as the, it is there to broadcast radio and, and cable, you know, and, and the internet matches up, you, you could throw three courts into there. You have one court at the fairgrounds. You could play at Hinkle. You could play at Banker's Life. That's six courts right there. And if you needed to, you could play at Marion University and UND because, look, if there's no fans in the stands, which is what I, I'm assuming they're going to do for this tournament, all you need is a court and a locker room, and that court needs to be 94 feet long. So you've got the facilities to do that. As far as having all these teams practice, you can send them to Warren Central, to Arsenal Tech, mm-hmm. to Park Two, right. to all these high schools around the city. So basically, you know, a lot of people said, well, you could always use IU or you can always use Ball State. You can always use Purdue. Yeah, you could. But if it's going to be a bubble, you want to keep these people inside of Marion County. And and it's going to suck. It's how it was in the NBA. I mean, could you imagine being at Disney World and your kids come down and you're saying, well, we can't go there yet. Yeah, I know you see the castle and you see the fireworks, but we can't go to Disney World yet because we have to stay in this bubble. So, you know. Do you release those teams once they're eliminated? I think you do. Um, so you'd go from having 64 or 68 teams coming in on Tuesday to your play-in games to making it to 16 teams by Sunday. So, you know, there's going to be 48 teams that are eliminated within three days of being in this bubble anyway. So facilities are there as long as everybody's being tested. You can do these rapid tests, hopefully, hopefully where you're probably tested every morning and you can get those results back within – you know, hopefully a couple of hours. Uh, I think it can be done, uh, but to the point, you've got to get there. You've got to get to the, where you can have um, an NCAA tournament. So you, you're, 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 you're trusting 330 teams to, you know, stay COVID-free. It's going to happen. It's going to pop up. I had it. I had it last or two weeks ago. You know, luckily I didn't have a lot of symptoms. But, um, you know, mm-hmm. and, and hopefully we continue to learn more and more about this virus. And, and, and it really helps out and, and, and kind of hits the curve and we can have an NCAA tournament. You know, and, and here's the thing, and hearing you talk about it, some of the things that I think that we could do, that, that teams could do, it would take a, a massive uh, uh, organizing from the NCAA. And, Scott, I don't know what your thoughts on this. You mentioned that you don't know how they're going to play all these games, two or three games in, in a week. I, I, I wonder if the possibility is to divide the, the country up into regions and create a, a bubble within that region and so every team, if you're in that region, you play at this particular location, whether it's Seattle or L.A. or Vegas, and this is your bubble during the season, and you, you play your games in this bubble during the season, and just during the game times and pre-games, you come into the bubble, you get tested. Other than that, you can go to class, you can do all your other stuff that you would normally do, uh, but if you get tested, then you, you can't come into the bubble. I, I don't know if there's a way to do that, but – Scott, what would you think about having the country broke up into little bubbles all over to play the season, to get it, get through the season, to get through everybody's? You think that could be could happen? And you would think if it could happen, they would have already did it by now because it looks to me like they would be a massive undertaking to get started now that the season started. Scott, any thoughts on that? Yeah, so we saw the NBA doing 
which is different when we talk about professional athletes. Uh, we're talking about student athletes here, and we're talking again over 300 Division One schools. How important is basketball to some of these universities? If it's not your big money maker, you're not going to afford to send your guys to a bubble. Your team, you know? and then you're talking about multiple sports here. It's, a, it's the NCAA. You talk about men's basketball, women's basketball. You have all these other winter and spring sports that aren't happening. Uh, are you going to invest that much money in the men's basketball program? There's got to be a return on that investment. And if you're one of those teams, you know, maybe you're in the Missouri Valley or uh, you're a lower team on, in one of the, you know, like the Big Ten or the SEC, that college basketball is not your big focus. And you're a college football team in university. Or maybe you like the Ivy League and the athletics aren't bringing you the money that uh, is going to allow your uh, team to go and play in a bubble. It's just there's so much involved from the NCAA mentioned to it regionally. Uh, I just don't see how they're going to send their student athletes away to play in a bubble to play a regular season of 15 to 20 games. Uh, and then you've got to get into conference playoffs. And then you've got to get into March Madness. Uh, and all these other side tournaments, that, you know, the, the NIT and all these other little tournaments that play at the same time to give anyone that's really a 500 team a chance to play postseason basketball. It's just so hard because there are so many moving pieces in NCAA athletics. So, uh, uh Tony, I, I, I don't know how much longer you can stay, but I did want to get your thoughts on uh, an NFL uh, topic, which I think is a pretty hot topic. We've certainly been dealing with the COVID. But we look at the Steelers-Ravens thing. This is huge. This is a massive um, implica- implications into the playoffs uh, with the Steelers and the Ravens in that AFC uh, uh, down. So we look at it being moved back to Tuesday. Are we looking at some sort of a possible for, uh, forfeit coming soon? Are we looking at the Steelers on on maybe getting ready to have a huge outbreak? Well, it, it, is, it is certainly tough, and it just so happens to come on a week where the Ravens are trying to answer back and, 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 and keep footing with the Steelers in that division, a Steelers team that's undefeated. Um, it's so tough because – Look, it's not fair for the Steelers. They already lost their bye week, and now, you know, this game is being pushed back, and it's going to really jam up their schedule. But it's not like the Ravens wanted to go out and have nine to ten guys test positive for COVID either. So it's very tough, a very tough situation. Um, hopefully the scheduling can work out to where, um, you know, things happen. And, you know, if you're Baltimore you're and, and probably Pittsburgh, you're, you're going to have to play – you know, a Tuesday game and bounce back and play on a Sunday, there may be a short week in there. So hopefully the NFL can get it all scheduled up. I think at the end of the day, if it's to be forfeits or whatever or games not played, you simply go to winning percentage. I think that's the best way to do it as far as seeding the playoffs. But, 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 but Pittsburgh's in, and Pittsburgh wants to play this game because if they beat Baltimore, you know, Baltimore all of a sudden now has, what, three losses. That kind of moves them down and the AFC food chain um, with other teams like the Colts and the Titans that are right there. The Titans obviously owning any kind of tiebreaker over Baltimore with a win. Baltimore owns a tiebreaker over the Colts because they beat them here. Um, but I don't know. I, I hope it works out. But a part of me, guys, and I don't know if you agree with this, I like a little bit of chaos. I like to see, you know, if we're going to see things different and NASCAR races running on Wednesday night and all this stuff, this is the year to do it. I, I want to see what Tuesday night football looks like. I, I want to see what what has to happen when, when some of these games have to be canceled and forfeited and moved around. So I, I'm kind of here and okay and on board with the chaos. 
<laughs> I love chaos. I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a big fan of chaos. Uh, Scott, what are your thoughts on this? And I know Scott, you and Tony both uh, are, are big into the betting and certainly follow that world. I mean, how is this, this game, like the Ravens, Scott, like the Ravens and the Steelers, how's this affecting Vegas? How's this affect the, the line? How's it move the line? Does it move it at all by, by the postponing and the moving back of the game days, Scott? Well, the, I mean, so how does this affect the line? Uh, it depends on who is COVID positive. And right now, Lamar Jackson is COVID positive. That absolutely moves the line. Another big impact this type of stuff has is if you play daily fantasy sports, and I play it. Uh, for instance, they had, you know, the big Thursday slate for Thanksgiving, three games, pick just your lineup, you're out whatever money you put in the day prior. So you can't really do your stuff one, two, three days ahead of time. You have to wait to the day of and see what uh, COVID decisions have been made. Uh, the NFL is flexible. Again, when now we're talking about the professional side and the professional athletes, they can add that 18th regular season week if they need to and move the postseason back a week. Uh, they're not filling their stadiums. So ticket holders and people buying a seat to the stadium, they're not affected. It's, do we need to push everything back one week to get some of these other games in? And I think they'll be will, willing to do that and have that flexibility. Boy, what are your thoughts on how this affects just the, the betting world? I know that you, you uh, do a lot with that as well. Yeah, I mean, that was a good point about Lamar Jackson. And, and when you have these things, you, you, as, as a fan, daily fantasy player, I'm sure Scott feels this way, you just have to constantly check all the way up to kickoff, who's in, who's out. And, and I think most daily fantasy players do that anyway as far as last-second injuries. But when it comes to COVID, I mean, you just don't know. Did they test positive? Was it a contact trace? How long are they going to be out? Um, I, I think another thing that this affects as far as the gambling world goes is, is possibly if you play season win totals. And let's say you have the Ravens at, at over nine and a half wins. And if they were to not play one of those games, how does that, how does Vegas deal with that? Do they take a game off the board? Do they lower your win total by one game? Uh, I'd be interesting to see how, how that would be the approach. Um, but as far as the NFL goes, you know, like Scott said, it's a professional sport. You've got enough days in the week with only playing once a week where you can get some of these games in. It's tough for college basketball and even the NBA if there's a game or two missed because where do you schedule that? Luckily, you can play basketball games, especially on the college level, on back-to-back days if it's on the same court. Uh, the NFL, you know, you, you want to give teams a week to prep it. You know, at least – I think at least five days. You know, they, they've kind of come up with – okay, if you play on Sunday, it's okay to play on Thursday, and we'll give, you know, that's, that's your prep time. Most of these NFL teams, I know the Colts do, if they play on Sunday and they play again the following Sunday, they take Monday off anyway, um, which is a day that a lot of these guys still come in, get in the gym, get some reps in. So I, 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 I think the season-long win total will certainly be affected, um, and, and, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, it's this is a virus, and it is affecting the sports world every day, every hour, every minute. You know, there's a new update. So, uh, but, but, but certainly the Steelers are looking at it as we've already lost our bye week, and it's not our fault these Ravens players are out. And then they're also probably thinking in the back of their mind, man, if we could play this game Sunday and Lamar is out, this is a really good chance for us to move to 11-0 and 0, um, and be well on our way to – trying to complete this perfect season, which would be astounding seeing their schedule and also knowing, you know, Ben Roethlisberger's on the back end of his career and just all the stuff and protocols that have gone on. 
to still be perfect on the season, um, I think is absolutely incredible. Let's get into some of this NFL talk, and certainly I want to talk about the games that, that we saw on Thursday. Uh, big win with Houston, embarrassing loss for Detroit, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, Scott, uh, yeah, Rick is a, uh, a big Lions fan, so, I, you know, he's been he's been screaming the uh, fire Matt Patricia for a while. We'll see if he makes it, but I think a really more game than I thought was really a good game to watch was to see how Washington just basically destroyed Dallas and they did it with a quarterback by the name of Alex Smith. And, I mean, we've got to – we'll start with you, Scott. We've got to give him all kinds of credit. In most cases, in normal world, with that kind of an injury, with that kind of infection, he could have lost his leg. But they fought through that process. And certainly to think that he was ever going to come back to the NFL, ever, and now to be having the kind of game that he did. And, you know, he and, and now – People on social media and stuff are saying, hey, Niners, look over here at Alex Smith. Alex Smith is back. He's the real deal. And I think he's the real story of this Thanksgiving weekend football. Scott, what do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, he's just a a good story. You know, like you said, he he almost lost his leg. It wasn't even a thought about can he play football again. He was out for over two years. And then he comes back, and, I mean, now he's leading that team. And who wants to play that Washington team in the first first round of the playoffs? That defense is scary. Antonio Gibson looks amazing. Uh, that, that That is not a team, even if they get in at 6-10 and 10 or whatever their final record is, that's not a team that I would want to play in the first round of the playoffs. So I guess that's a great win. Uh, you thought that maybe with Andy Dalton back in the mix after his concussion protocol that the Cowboys might have overtaken the division, but they just they look a mess. Tony, what are your thoughts about the comeback of Alex Smith? What a great comeback story this is. And are we just excited to see him back playing after what he went through? Or is he really this good of a quarterback that we saw on Thursday? Um, I think he has really found himself comfortable in that, in that, in the play that Ron Rivera has thrown out there. I mean, he's got good wide receivers. We see how good Terry McLaurin from Indianapolis can be. Um, we see that Gibson is a guy that can rush the football um, for the Washington football team, which I still have not really trained my brain to say. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Alex Smith has looked really good. They, they've got a good defense. Um, they play well. And we've known, we've talked about it on this show, especially when it comes to the Eagles, I don't think the Eagles are all that good. The Cowboys are down to their backup quarterback right now. And, you know, I don't think I would have been saying this a month ago, but I think this NFC East could come down to the Washington football team or, are you ready for it, the New York Giants. It seems like the Giants, yeah, they're 3-7, and seven, but they've been playing much better football as of late. The Redskins lead the division at 4-7, and seven, which is still pretty pitiful. But if you look at the Giants, and, and bear with me here after that went over the Eagles last week. They're three and seven. You can beat the Bengals who are without Joe Burrow tomorrow to go to four and seven. Seahawks are probably going to smash it. But the remainder of the schedule is this home against the Cardinals. The Cardinals are the better team, but if that's a nasty rainy game and you know, really Kyler Murray's not playing those conditions, anything can happen. They can beat the Browns. The Ravens coming to town, it just depends on the Ravens' injury situation. Then you get the Cowboys. So I'm not going to be surprised if sitting at 3-7 and seven right now, 
four and seven, four and eight, five and eight, six and eight. If they end up at seven and nine, and that possibly could win you to the division. So I'm going to take the I'm going to take Washington right now because they're playing the best football. But I think the Giants are going to have something to say about it. Let's go on to the, the Homer card. At least for me, the, the Titans are at the Colts. And, uh, Scott, this has been a, a good matchup over the years. And the Colts have found a way to beat the Titans many times, more times than not. And it couldn't have any bigger implications in the playoffs uh, and the AFC uh, South uh, championship game. And that is the Titans and the Colts. The Colts have to beat the Titans. I won't say it's a – uh, a must win, but it's a it's a game that the Colts must win. Uh, Scott, what are your thoughts? Well, if you want to have a home playoff game, uh, and I mean, again, now we're talking about is how important is the home playoff game with stands or not? Uh, just being at home and having that, you don't have to travel. It takes a lot of stress out. If you want that game, you got to win. If you want the home field advantage, you got to win this game. Otherwise, you're going to be a wild card team. Uh, Colts defense is, looks amazing. One of the best defenses in the in the NFL. Uh, that's but Derrick Henry is just he's a monster, and I think he's the one that is the deciding factor in this game. What? You're cutting out there, Tony. And I know. I mean, uh, Scott. I know you're driving. So, um, are you still with us, Scott? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here. Okay. <laughs> I know you're out there in the middle of Kansas somewhere. So. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It, we, we need to have a home playoff game, and that's really, really important to a lot of things, uh, Tony, especially with the Colts. I mean, the Colts need this feel-good, again, story. And surprisingly enough, it, 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 it comes at a different type of quarterback situation uh, that, that we have in Phillip Rivers and the Colts, Titans. And this is in, but you talk about Derrick Henry. I think the Colts defense did a great job at containing Derrick Henry in the last game, just a, a week or so ago. Uh, Tony, what do you think? Of the Titans and the Colts? Well, I mean, just, you know, what Scott said, he's an absolute beast. And with the Colts having DeForest Buckner, Danico Autry and Bobby Okariki out against the Titans. I mean, those are three, those are three key names on this defense for the Indianapolis Colts. We know, how disrupted Buckner can be, and as well as Danico Autry. Um, and, and then Bobby Okariki has played pretty decent in the secondary. So um, it's interesting to see who's going to step up in those games uh, or in this game. And like you said, it is a must win for the Colts because you don't want to nullify what you went down and did two Thursdays ago when you went to Tennessee to win that game and to kind of take over the, the AFC South. So um, you don't want to nullify that. And then all of a sudden you are seven and four, and the Titans are eight and three and have a one game uh, plus record on you bowling down the stretch. Because again, we talked about this Tom a couple weeks ago, this being the toughest part of the cold schedule. Uh, and, and they got that win against the Packers. But again, I, I still think that this Colts team has a lot of work to do. It's not going to be easy to beat the Titans tomorrow. The Texans are kind of starting to find a little bit of a rhythm and you got to go to the Raiders and that new stadium in Las Vegas, and play a game which could determine a wild card position for both teams. Um, then you obviously get the Steelers, and if the Steelers two days after Christmas are still going for a perfect record, they're not going to sit their players. And then I mean you'll probably be able to blow out Jacksonville. So you've got both games with the Texans left: the Titans, Steelers, and Raiders. And you know you look at the standings. 
and you look at where the Texans are, thinking we're not out of this thing. You know, we're four and seven. We're, we're starting to kind of fire on all cylinders, which is nice. Um, but but there's but you could see teams fade like the Dolphins that are six and four, like the Raiders, and maybe even you know the Colts or the Titans. So those are those are going to be tough division games. So Colts have a lot of work to do, and and they they've been doing that work as they've had to the last couple of weeks, um, and they got to continue that tomorrow. Let's uh, move on through a couple of these other games. Uh, Scott, the Chargers and the Bills, what are your thoughts? Uh, the, the Chargers seem to be in every game. Justin Herbert looks great this year as, as a rookie, uh, putting up almost historic numbers here in his last five, six games as for a rookie. Uh, but I, the, the Bills are, are the, the playoff team. Uh, they're going to win their division for the first time in what, a, a, almost a decade. Uh Unseating the Patriots, uh, the Chargers will be in the game until the end. That's just, but they just don't know how to close the game at the end of the fourth quarter. Tony, what are your thoughts about the Browns and the Jags? Browns picked up a pretty good win last week. Yeah, I mean the Browns are a team that you know if you're gonna if you're gonna bet anything this weekend, I I think you almost just go ahead and take the under in this game, right? I mean both teams really can't score. Um, the Browns. I mean, you look at these wins for the Browns at seven and three on the season. Um, just not a lot of scoring going on. I mean, twenty-two, seventeen, ten, seven, sixteen, six. So their last three games have all gone under. Um, and then the previous game before that actually barely went under a thirty-eight to seven loss to the Steelers. So uh, I, I think they've slowed down since the hot start that the Browns kind of had, where they were putting up forty-nine and thirty-five points. So give me the under in this one, but the Browns. Uh, should cruise to a 20 to 10 win. All right, guys. I, I know both of you guys are in the, in the betting world a lot more than I am. So I'm going to rely on, on your uh, extreme intelligence on this, but we'll, we'll do what are the odds real quickly here. And we'll start with you, uh, Scott, go through the NFL this week. Uh, what, are, what are the odds? Who should, who should we be betting on? Who should we be paying attention to? Who should we stay away from? And so forth. Uh, yeah, so I mean I'm I'm a I'm a Bronco homer, but uh, you know that game is only against the Saints at home, and the Saints are only a five and a half point favorite uh, on the road in Denver. Uh, this is the third time that that Denver has had to miss practices due to COVID. Uh, I think you got to go and look at the Saints and that five and a half number, and that they covered that number. And that's probably a lot. Tony, what about you? What are the odds? Who do you? I know you mentioned that the Browns and the Jags were one that you might want to. Uh, we have a safe bet on the under any other uh, games that you would want to pay attention to this week. If you're, if you're in the betting world. Yeah. I mean, I, I would honestly look at maybe taking the Titans plus three here against the Colts. Um, you know, I, I know it was mentioned, but the fact that the, yes, the Chargers have been in every game, but the fact that a rookie quarterback is going to the East coast to play in what's going to be a pretty cold weather type situation and only be giving up four points. I think you have to take the Bills tomorrow um, in this situation because this is just a game that, you know, yeah, it's going to be 50 and sunny, but I just think the Bills' defense really comes out and steps up in this contest. Um, And one other game I think that you have to look at, and I know it's crazy, and people are going to say, what the hell, there's no way, but the Jets getting seven points at home, I mean, that's, that's, I know they're 0-10. They're probably not going to win the game, but the Dolphins in the back-and-forth situation with, with Tua Tagovailoa 
you just really don't know. So I think the Jets have some value of plus seven, even plus seven and a half if you can get it at that. Um, and then Aaron Rodgers on Sunday Night Football is always, always good in prime time. They're laying nine and a half against Mitch Trubisky and the Bears, which, who probably won't be able to move the football. Um, I can see that game winding up 24 to seven Packers. The Bears just need to move on from uh, their man, Mitch. They've decided that we, we, we tried the Nick Foles era and it, and it worked for about a game and a comeback and then it went downhill. So now they have called back on to Mitch Trubisky to be the starter and I think that's a football team that next year is looking for um, a quarterback in the draft or in, in some sort of trade. So uh, don't be surprised if the Bears look gold down to New Orleans and say, what What do we got to get for Taysom Hill or or Jameis Winston, who the Saints have completely disrespected by not putting in the lineup, even though um, I thought it was disrespect going in. But then you see what Taysom Hill did in that win last week, and you, you think, okay, maybe that was a good decision. Yeah, absolutely. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. Tony, what are you working on this week, and where can people find your work at Masterpiece at Sir? Yeah, you can head to uh, my Twitter, at Tony D Indy, the Tony D Podcast on Twitter. We'll have an episode today kind of looking at some sports situations, and uh, uh, I'm going to dive into what it's like to be single and dating in 2020 with the, with the COVID virus going on. That's something I'd want to hear. Uh, That's for sure. All right, Tony, you have yourself a good weekend, and we'll talk with you soon. You too. Take care. Tony D for the Tony Donahue for the Tony D podcast. We'll get his podcast up on on social media. Uh, Scott, uh, you know, hey, what what is it like to date in the era of the COVID and be in your twenties? Oh, but uh, Scott, I appreciate you hanging out with us in your drive. I hope you, you get back to Indiana safely and all goes good for you. Any final words of wisdom for us, sir? Uh, no, not not really. Let's see if we can get keep this uh, going. And again, I'm not optimistic about basketball, but as long as we got some sports, then you know all all is good in the world. All is good in the world of, of sports. All right, uh, Scott, we appreciate it, and we'll talk with you soon. Have a good one. All right. Scott Lamb joined us uh, on his way back from Kansas, uh, certainly part of our normal college football. Um, Rick Riggin and Tony Donahue for the Tony D Podcast. What a great show today. Thank you guys uh, so much uh, uh, for uh, joining in with us. Uh, you know, and you know, you, you can get anything you want at Alice's re- Restaurant. <laughs> Make sure that you uh, download the podcast on any of your podcast formats. Uh, Apple, uh, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, what have you, uh, and uh, make sure you rate us and give us stars. Follow us on Twitter at T-Balance and on Facebook, The Balance. My name is Tom Marcos, El Presidente. Don't drink and drive it in cool. I'm out of here. Deuces. This song is called Alice's Restaurant. It's about Alice and the restaurant. But Alice's Restaurant is not the name of the restaurant. That's just the name of the song And that's why I call the song Alice's Restaurant You can get anything you want At Alice's Restaurant You can get anything you want At Alice's Restaurant Walk right in, it's around the back Just a half a mile from the railroad track And 
You can get anything you want at Alice's restaurant. Now it all started two Thanksgivings ago, not two years ago on Thanksgiving, when my friend and I went up to visit Alice at the restaurant. But Alice doesn't live in the restaurant. She lives in the church nearby the restaurant in the bell tower with her husband Ray and Fosh is a dog. And living in the bell tower like that, they got a lot of room downstairs where the pews used to be. And Having all that room, seeing as how they took out all the pews, they decided that they didn't have to take out their garbage for a long time. We got up there, we found all the garbage in there, and we decided it'd be a friendly gesture for us to take the garbage down to the city dump. So we took the half a ton of garbage, put it in the back of a red VW microbus, took shovels and rakes and implements of destruction, and headed on toward the city dump. Well, we got there, and there's a big sign and a chain across the dump saying closed on Thanksgiving. And we had never heard of a dump closed on Thanksgiving before. And with tears in our eyes, we drove off into the sunset looking for another place to put the garbage. We didn't find one. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.